again. Yeah, so my daughter and I were last weekend got together and sat down with a couple of beers and we wanted to write a sign. She couldn't be here. She's an English major and, and she always has a great way of phrasing things. So we sat down and I said, Julie, I need you to help me to write a sign and, and something clear without being accusational or confrontational, uh, but to express. And so we sat down and we had all sorts of things written down and tried all sorts of things and we, we couldn't get it without it being too complicated. And then so we, we kind of stopped trying to write it and then we just talked about our feelings and we yeah. said well what is it well we're just we're so bewildered and it's like is this really happening and she said that's it really <laughs> the question mark that's it it yeah. says it all yes really this is really happening last weekend donald trump who was the first penn and wharton graduate to win the presidency was officially sworn in penn students didn't stay quiet about this election and that's what we'll be talking about on this episode of 1600 penn a daily Pennsylvanian podcast about campus politics and how national politics affect campus. I'm Caroline Simon, and I'm very excited to be your host. Even though Donald Trump and three of his children graduated from Penn, not that many Penn students supported him in the election. His support during the primaries here was minuscule, and the founder of the short-lived Penn for Trump Club actually disbanded the group after Trump proposed a ban on Muslim immigration. During the general election, tons of students campaigned for Hillary Clinton, but public support for Trump was almost nowhere to be found, and college Republicans never explicitly endorsed him. Some DP reporters and I headed to Washington, D.C. last weekend to see the spectacle for ourselves. So did tons of other Penn students. Some wanted to witness the inaugural address itself, others wanted to protest. And dozens of students from multiple groups participated in the Women's March the next day, protesting issues from women's rights to Black Lives Matter to environmental justice. For our first episode, we're bringing in Leopold Spongellert of the DP's podcast, Quite Frankly. Leopold was at the inauguration and the Women's March, too, and he's going to tell us about what he saw, who he talked to, and what he came away with. Hey, Leopold. Hi, how's it going? Glad to be on the show. Um, so I went with my friend Alex down to the inauguration, and our original goal was sort of to just see this historic event and talk to some people and learn about the Trump voters. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. It was sort of disorienting to sort of just feel like, oh, these are just kind of normal people who sort of feel like they won an election and they're here to celebrate when I sort of felt like, you know, this is the end of the world. So it's interesting to hear what they had to say about why this is their guy. Um, it was sort of surprising to hear how much hope and optimism in their, was in their voice as opposed to, you know, the anger and hatred I became accustomed to. Um, one of the first people I spoke to was um, Connor. He was a college student from Queens, um, and I was surprised to meet someone from my city who supported Trump. Uh, as he said in his speech, it feels to me at least that a lot of America feels like they've been left behind uh, just the way with the country's been going. Uh, it feels like the middle class and like the hardworking American and like just the average American families have just been forgotten by politicians and like the globalist agendas. And so I think Trump's message really resonates with a lot of people and I think it's going to do a lot to bring those people back into the fold and make everyone proud of our country. So while Connor sort of sounded like someone you might see on Fox News every day, someone who just kind of repeats back 
Trump's lines at you. Um, as I spoke to more and more people at the inauguration, I started to find that every single person had a different take on why Trump appeals. You know, it wasn't like everyone had the same story of being from a small town where the factory has left and the jobs have left, right? Every, some people had completely different reasons for supporting Trump, but they were all sort of unified by being inspired by his message and what he meant for, you know, change in this country. I really wanted to see somebody other than a Bush or a Clinton, uh, a Kerry, a, a Dole, I mean, just uh, for somebody that's, you know, and a businessman, a smart man. While Leopold felt the optimism of the Trump crowd, for me, the atmosphere in and around the inauguration felt unbelievably tense. Personally, I'd never seen so many Trump supporters and Trump announcers together in the same place at the same time. For every group of excited Trump fans in their red Make America Great Again hats, there was a group of protesters with signs attacking the new president. Things got so charged that by the end of the day, over 200 people had been arrested after some protests got violent. That's completely different from Penn. Even though we have lots of different political opinions here, there aren't too many people who are outspoken Trump supporters, and Canvas as a whole overwhelmingly leans to the left on certain issues like LGBT rights and climate change. While we have lots of protests, they almost never turn violent. And when people disagree, they're usually doing it in a college hall academic debate, not in a shouting match on the street. Some Trump supporters at the inauguration weren't huge fans of the protesters and the politically correct things they were protesting about. On our way over here, uh, there was a lot of protesters trying to block the entrances to get into the event, and I think they just need to give Trump a chance. I understand that they're upset and they're frustrated. Your candidate didn't win. That's okay. You have to move on and get what's best for America. You have to give Trump a chance. Uh, I think he'll do great things, and people will see that, and hopefully they can come together for that. But a lot of these protesters are actually really worried and scared about the new president. They think he's tapped into something dangerous in America. Remember, this is the candidate who called Mexicans rapists, wants to ban Muslims, mocked a disabled reporter, and bragged about sexual assault. I think that one thing that this election has done is kind of exposed a lot of the, just that in general, like things that are supposed to be taboo that people usually have felt and harbored for a long time, like maybe certain racial underthoughts, maybe certain sexual underthoughts that you, or like sexist underthoughts that you think like, that you don't speak about in public, but then, you know, Trump also started this whole anti-politically correct wave where he makes it like, oh, if you're scared to say something that's offensive, then you're just trying to be politically correct. That's the way it is. So I feel like it, he's, what he's done is given a lot of people who have certain offensive views, like they feel as if they have a voice. That's why the all right has been rising in popularity as of late. Um, that's why we're seeing a resurgence in things like the KKK and neo-Nazism. Uh, it's because can't ignore that. Like all right, the whole all right yeah. party. It's because they, um, he's given a, a voice to the people who felt like, you know, if I say this in the bar right now, then, you know, people are going to judge me. But now it's like, oh, the president's saying it. So, you know, I can do, I can say what I want to say. I could right. say that, you know, X, Y, Z about certain race because that's what Trump's doing. So it's like, yeah. it, it all has like kind of like a, a shockwave that, you know, runs through the American culture about, you know, certain things that so Americans, yeah, think are acceptable and certain things that they think are not. Kate Lips is a student from George Washington University who I talked to for quite a bit at the inauguration. She was a Bernie supporter in the primaries, and she's also pretty worried about where the country is going. 
So, are you happy or sad about who's <laughs> oh, being inaugurated? I'm devastated. Um, <laughs> people keep trying, been hawking like the shirts and hats at me, and I'm like, I don't want to remember this. But uh, yeah, no, I was definitely not a Trump fan, nor will I be, unless his policies turn out to be tremendously different from everything he's said and done. Um, so you know, I would definitely say, yeah, I'm hopeful, but I'm certainly not optimistic. Kate started protesting way before inauguration even started. She protested at Deplore Ball, a party on the night before inauguration for Trump supporters and self-identified members of the alt-right. It was it was tense. Um, you know the the people there. This is not this wasn't just sort of your run of the mill uh, middle wing conservatives. This these were people. Who, I mean. Mike Zrinovich, who <laughs> said that date rape doesn't exist. Yeah. People like that. Um, so that what doesn't exist? Date rape. Oh. There's like a tweet, yeah, it's basically like, if you ever tried to rape a woman without force, it was like, that's, first of all, a horrible way to phrase that. But yeah, he's like, and then, yeah, his conclusion is date rape doesn't exist. So just, you know, that's the kind of people that were there. And so I was, yeah, thought that it was at least worth going and making them feel unwelcome. Um, and it really didn't, I actually would say that people did a pretty good job of keeping it from getting violent, even though things are very tense. Um, there were police there, there was a heavy police presence, but it never came to, there were no mass arrests than that. Um, they, were, they were in riot gear, they did have pepper spray, and one or two people that were especially rowdy got pepper sprayed, but yeah. I never felt, I never felt personally unsafe. Um, so yeah, that was that was a lot of anger. And then today there's been uh, the McPherson stuff. It's just, there's so many different people who have taken issue to a variety of things. Yeah, I feel like Trump is has questionable views on so many issues that there's so many different groups <laughs> yeah. that are relevant yeah. to protest. Um, are you going to the march tomorrow? Yeah, definitely. I'm, and that's actually, I'm kind of excited for this whole weekend, you know, to start yesterday on sort of this fairly angry, you know, everyone there, I had my face covered, you, it was to the point where there was a ton of press there, and you didn't want your face even being seen because yeah. of getting targeted. So that was sort of the most, like, hostile of the things I'll probably be engaged in this weekend, and I'm excited to finish it out with what seems like maybe a more unifying and hopeful event, which is the Women's March, yeah. um, and I'm so excited. I have friends who have come into town for it, um, and I've got friends from back home that, you know, are yeah, I know marching so many on behalf of it. Yeah, I, it's, it's, that's one that's really hard to be against, you know, like, yeah. what can you possibly, and I've, I've actually been really impressed with the, uh, how well organized it seemed, you know, yeah. like, their social media, yeah, I've been on their website, really so. good, and, like, yeah. their platform is really, like, progressive, and does a good job of trying to tie in a lot of other issues, like, um, you know, Disabled rights, racial justice, environmental causes, just sort of, again, acknowledging how tied together all these things are. So the next day was the Women's March, and it's really hard to even describe how different the atmosphere was. At the inauguration, things were pretty tense. But at the Women's March, everyone seemed to be in a much better mood. Even though the people in the march were protesting lots of different issues, everybody was united by their pink pussy hats and distaste for Donald Trump. Who are you marching here today for? My daughter. Your daughter? Yes. That's great. That's wonderful. And who are you marching for? I'm marching for myself, for my mom, and for all the women here.
I'm not happy with anything that's happening right now mm -hmm. as far as what Trump is doing yeah. and everyone that he's appointed and the fact that he even got into office. Not my president! Not my president! Not my president! I'm marching on behalf of all the women in my family and all the underrepresented women in America, including black women, including women in jail, including trans women, including sex workers, including LGBT women, all of the women. So even though a good number of Penn students were at the actual inauguration, including a group from college Republicans, there were way more at the march. Penn Democrats sent 42 people. The Muslim Student Association and Hillel co-sponsored an interfaith bus that took people to a prayer service before heading out to march. We Are Watching, a group that advocates against rape culture, was there. And that's not counting all the students who just went with their friends and family. For Penn students, the march was a chance to get politically active. Compared to schools like Brown and Oberlin, Penn doesn't have a lot of activists, but this election really got a lot of people fired up about politics. Ari Goldfein, a podcast intern and a member of Penn Dems, is here to tell us some more about how Penn students have gotten involved in the election. So Penn's not the most political campus, nor is it very activist-minded. We've got some great activist organizations, Soul Slap, Fossil Free, and others, but the general mainstream political culture, especially prior to this election, isn't oriented towards activism. It's oriented towards debate, towards discussion, towards bringing in high-profile speakers, and even occasionally oriented towards working campaigns. But the mainstream culture isn't oriented towards resistance in a significant way, or direct political engagement and activism. I think it's shifted slightly after the election, uh, yes, with the Women's March, but also with students who attended the protest against the Republicans' meeting in Philly the following Thursday. So do you think this kind of energy is even sustainable? I'm not sure how sustainable it is, or even how inclusive it is. For example, all the white women and Penn students who attended the women's marches in D.C. and Philly, will they show up for the next Black Lives Matter march? Um, will they show up for undocumented students and residents of Philly for immigrants or refugees? I don't know. I'm not the most optimistic. I've seen a huge increase in energy, but knowing the campus, I wouldn't be surprised if it reverted to more passive, half-hearted discussion and Facebook posts. I also checked in with Leopold to see what his takeaways were. So after attending both the inauguration and the march, what are some of your final takeaways? Okay, so the first takeaway for me is that people have very different priorities when it comes to politics. Um, you know, talking to Trump supporters, I came away feeling like, you know, it's not like they have all have any racial animus towards, you know, like, you know, people who are suffering, people of color, um, but they don't really care about the issues that liberals care about, like mass incarceration and, you know, LGBT rights, you know, the sort of identity politics issues that really get me going, it's not even on their radar. You know, they're thinking about jobs and security, while, you know, the people at the Women's March are thinking about abortion access and women's rights. So one thing I came away with is that we're very far apart on priorities. The second thing I came away with is um, there's a lot of enthusiasm on both sides. Um, but there's a lot of mistrust going on on both sides, you know. I saw, I talked to Trump supporters who said, you know, these protesters don't even care about what we have to say. And I talked to protesters who said that, you know, Trump is a threat to their daily existence. So it really was interesting to see just, like, how much mistrust there is. And it made me think, you know, how can we build a bridge to get some discussion going when right now, you know, one day you have the Trump inauguration, and the next day you have a women's march, you know? There are clearly two polar opposites um, in this country, and I'm not sure how we go from here and find common ground. 
So for a lot of students, and not just at Penn, this election has been really personal. Kate told me about a moment on election night that really took her by surprise and made her feel like this election has been about a lot more than just politics. It was about 2 a.m. Um, it was around the time that the, it hadn't actually been called, but it was it was around then that everyone kind of knew yeah. which way it was going. And I had been with a bunch of friends for what we anticipated to be just a really fun watch party, you know, everyone yeah. was, it was going to be fun drinking and, you know, celebrating. We all planned to run down to the White House when Hillary got elected, which is what everyone had expected was going to happen. Um, but yeah, around 2 a.m. when it kind of became clear that that wasn't the case, I, I left, I just kind of wanted to go walk and like be, I don't know, process. Um, and I was walking down to the White House, because I live only a few blocks away, um, and I just kind of wanted to see what was going on there. Uh, and I was on what I have always considered just like a very safe street, um, and a car full of white men um, pulled up next to me, windows down, and yelled, I can't remember the exact words, it was basically like, um, Get over here, bitch. Now that Trump's president, we can do whatever we want to you. She's crazy. Oh, and, <laughs> so, yeah, and I, like, I yelled. I was like, you know, fuck off. Like, try to just keep walking. And then they called me a cunt and followed me for blocks. Oh, my God. So that was pretty terrifying. And the fact that, like, that they said, like, this is now okay because of who is commander-in-chief, like, I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that feeling of just that I wasn't safe on the streets that until that exact moment I had walked. You know, I've been here for three and a half years, and I haven't felt unsafe. I've gotten the average. But this wasn't just your regular street grass, you know? This wasn't like... Yeah. This was clearly, you know, it's like, would, those, would that car full of men have yelled at if... Trump hadn't just been elected? I don't think so. After Trump's first week in office, a lot of Americans are feeling pretty powerless. He's already announced plans to build a border wall between the United States and Mexico and introduce extreme vetting of immigrants from majority Muslim countries. But what I got from last weekend is that Penn students and college students everywhere really cared about this election. They didn't just vote. They worked for campaigns. They organized protests. They went all the way to Washington, D.C. just to be a part of the inauguration and the march. Most of campus and a lot of the country is dreading the next four years. But no matter what happens, I know that Penn students will be paying attention. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of 1600 Penn. This episode was hosted and edited by me, Caroline Simon, with special guest Leo Spongellert. Ari Goldfine and Stephen Damianos were our interns for this episode, and it was produced by Joyce Farma. Andrew Ellis provided our theme music. If you have any comments or questions, shoot us an email at podcasts at the dp.com. Our next episode will be out in two weeks, so stay tuned.